Welcome to Guerrilla Discipleship. My name is Kevin Baker. I'm your host. I'm glad you're with us again today. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about my oldest son uh, today. Um, when uh, he was in high school, he was quite a missionary. Um, we had always said to our kids that uh, we didn't care who they dated. We didn't care a whole lot of details about that, who, who it might be. We could accept anybody from any background or whatever, as long as they knew and loved Jesus. That was our our number one and really only rule for um, for the kid for our kids as they dated. Well, our oldest son, when he got into high school, man, was he uh, constantly finding girls to date that were um, well, they just weren't a part of a, a church. They had maybe some church background, but they weren't really following Jesus at all. And uh, and so I told him, man, you are quite the missionary. And and he would laugh, of course, and he would eventually, almost every one, every time, he would eventually invite these girls to come with him to church. Um, and many of them came and, and got engaged. And I would always ask him, every time, I would say, how do you know that these girls are in church because they want to know more about Jesus or that they're in church because they want to know more about you. And he would, of course, depending on where things were, would tell me, Dad, I'm telling you, they're, you know, they really like coming to church. They're really interested. Uh, and then maybe they would break up, and of course, we would never see them again. It's an interesting thing, that mixed messages kind of problem, right? It's it's interesting if you think about Jesus and what he did. Now, as Jesus walked and talked and preached, what Jesus's main message was really always about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God was near. And he displayed the kingdom of God in all of its glory and its power. He, he showed the people the, the power of the, the glory and the glory of the kingdom by, by bringing healing from the kingdom's power and strength into this tangible world that we live in. He showed the, the uh, people the kingdom in terms of its provision feeding them and, and nurturing them. There was just a, a kingdom display all the time. But here's the interesting thing that Jesus did also. He invited people who were interested in knowing more about him to understand that to follow Jesus, there was going to be a huge cost. He said, you know, foxes have holes and, and um, people have houses, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said, if you want to follow me, you must lay down your life. Jesus had a consistent theme. He never gave a mixed message. And none of us intend, I think, really to give a mixed message. But as we're out prayer walking, as we're out in inviting people, uh, especially if we start inviting them to come to our church, what happens in churches in our culture is that we've designed very comfortable buildings, sometimes with coffee shops and food. We've designed wonderful heating and air conditioning and seats. The, the church in, in the U.S. is often very filled with lots of luxury. We have great programming for kids. We hire staff and we have all kinds of, uh, sometimes our, our kids' rooms are filled with games and puzzles and toys and even they look like a, a gymnasiums at, at times. And I remember going into a church one time, visiting a church, and our kids went down uh, we were going down into the kids' area, and our youngest son at that time was too young to go into 
uh, one of the kids' ministry areas that had ping-pong tables and games set up. And man, was he mad that he couldn't go in there. He so desperately wanted to go in there. Not because he was searching for Jesus, but because he loved video games and he wanted to see what kind of games they had. How do we protect against that in our culture today in the church? That we invite people to our churches, and what do we say? Oh, you've got to come hear this preacher. Oh man, the worship is so good. The music, our band, our organ, whatever it might be, is so beautiful, so powerful. And I know that all of what we're doing there, it's, it's coming out of a good heart. We're, we're trying to do what the American church has been trying to do for centuries now, or at least for decades now, and that is use an attractional model. Let's attract them into the church, get them interested with our, our good sermon series or our good programming, our, our beautiful building and our cafe. Let's do that, and then hopefully they'll hear the message of the gospel and then we can disciple them. The problem is it creates consumers and it creates a bit of a dependency for us as church leaders to keep giving them more. You know, just uh, watch any television uh, program for 30 minutes or more and you're going to see advertisements. Oh, you used to get this, but now we've got new and improved. And, and people demand that the church continue to be new and improved, that our and, and without realizing it, we've sent this mixed message that come and let us take care of you. Come and let us provide all sorts of services and blessings and programs and, and coffee for you. And then maybe we can get you to see a little bit of the beauty and the glory of Jesus. What would the church be like today in the U.S. if we patterned our living after Jesus and his preaching? That we invite, invited people in to see, really, the kingdom and its power. What it looks like to be a part of a community that lives in the power and in the author, under the authority of the Holy Spirit. What if we, we had more to offer them like seasons of praying, fasting, watching God answer prayer than we did about flashy sermons, great music, or even better programming? And when do we tell them about the cost? Because there is a cost to following Jesus. And it will cost us our whole lives. God's inviting us into a life of surrender. And we may get there slowly. Many of us uh, look even today after we've been following Jesus for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We think, oh man, back when I first began to follow Jesus, I thought I gave him all. But man, now today... I realized how I kept a lot back. I, I surrendered in enthusiasm, but there was so much more that I needed to give to Jesus, and I've been giving him me every day of my life since then. My right to myself, my right to my, my values and ethics that maybe agree with or maybe don't agree with Jesus. If he's king, then he's king. Jesus told us that it was going to be a sacrifice of what this world had to offer in order to follow him. But we continue to send, at times, very confusing mixed messages. I remember one particular Easter uh, years ago, I was not the senior pastor. I was not preaching. 
and the senior pastor was preaching and just uh, had all the, you know, the Easter crowd there. What do we call them? The C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter Christians were in the building, and he wanted desperately to get them to come, not just on one day of the year, but every day of the year. And so he said something in his sermon. I was sitting in on the podium and or on the pulpit area with him, and I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe he just said that. He said, I want to invite you to begin to come to church regularly and watch all your problems go away. And I thought, wait a minute. That, that can't be a promise we make. Now, I know his heart was in the right place, and maybe he misspoke out of enthusiasm on Easter Sunday, but there is a tendency for us to invite people along those same lines. Come and see how God can answer all of your problems. Come and see how all of those burdens will be lifted. And there is such truth to that, but it comes with a cost. Part of the reason that my problems are less today is because I've let go of a lot of things that I was chasing and pursuing that the world told me mattered that I found don't matter. And so my life is in many ways leaner, more streamlined, and more focused on who God's invited me to be in the kingdom. Now, my anxiety uh, about worldly issues is far less because I'm not pursuing the things that the world pursues, at least not the way I was at one point. We've got to be careful as we invite our friends to follow Jesus, as we become disciple makers ourselves, that we don't give a mixed message, that we don't promise more than God did. Jesus promised amazing things. Ask and you'll receive. Living water that you'll never thirst again. Assurance that we are loved unconditionally, accepted by the Father, and we have a place forever in his mansion. Those kinds of promises are true, but the reality is he also preached probably more often than not, come and follow me and lay down your life. We have got to become practiced in inviting people into the truth of the gospel, which is you can choose to have this life and your life and all the world offers and miss you can miss eternal life, or you can lay down your life and all of your dreams and all of what the world says is the best, and you can pick up the gospel, pick up the life that God's called you to, created you for, and you can find abundant life now and eternal life forever. But it's going to come with a cost. So as you're thinking about uh, folks that you've been talking to, as you're thinking about praying and, and as you're praying over your friends and family, as you're even thinking about how to invite your kids who have become disengaged perhaps from church back, let's be careful that our message isn't a mixed message, that we are honoring the reality and the truth. Jesus knew that what he had to offer was the pearl of great price. He didn't, he didn't sugarcoat it, right? He didn't, uh, in fact, even at one point, when he was talking to the disciples and he, he had seen many people come and get enthusiastic about following him only to see the cost and to turn away. And he looked at the disciples at one particular moment and said, you're, you're not going to leave me too, are you? And what did they say? Oh, we would. <laughs> we want to in some ways, Jesus. They didn't say that. That's my ad living. But they said, where would we go? You alone have the words of life. 
You see, it's worth all that we give up to find all that God has for us. But it's not according to the standards of this world that God's going to bless us. He's going to bless us with peace that passes all human understanding. Our peace sometimes is, God, answer all my prayers. Make my circumstances work out. Don't let me have any suffering. And God says, no, I've invited you in to suffer with me for the sake of the gospel, to suffer in prayer, to suffer in fasting, to suffer in the work of the gospel of making disciples in the world. And there is some suffering with that. We will be rejected. We will be ridiculed. We will be, well, some will walk away from us. We will look peculiar to the world because of our ethics, because we we value what God values and we disdain what God disdains. But the world has turned that upside down. And so if we are not willing to let ourselves understand the truth, and if we don't invite people into that truth, then we're really not only giving them mixed messages, but the truth is we're we're going to be accused, rightfully so in some cases, of a bait and switch. I mean, Jesus, Jesus spoke so clearly and so bluntly because he wanted people to follow him because they were spiritually hungry. I believe Jesus was looking, who is the father drawing? Jesus himself said in John 6, 44 and 45, no one can come to me unless the father draws them. And so Jesus knew if the father's drawing them, they'll come to me and I will raise them up and we will have all of the joy of the kingdom. But if you're not being drawn by the father, I think think Jesus knew that you can't persuade with promises that won't be answered and falsehoods that are just going to confuse the gospel. We have been invited to leave the burdens of trying to make a life for ourselves and to receive the life that God intended for us. We've been invited to leave trying to run our own lives and be king of our own kingdoms so that we can be servants in the kingdom where a good and wonderful father watches over us. But there is a sacrifice. The gospel demands my whole life, my whole allegiance, my whole surrender. So as we're beginning to become disciple makers, disciples who make disciples, folks who are willing to read God's word, obey God's word, and share God's word so that others might know the beauty of what it means to be unconditionally loved, forgiven because of the cross, and accepted by God's grace, living in the abundance of his grace and mercy and love. As we trade that old life this world has to offer for a new life, let's not be be guilty of giving mixed messages, of sending the wrong signals. Let's make sure that we preach, teach, disciple the way Jesus did with honesty and integrity. Let's let God draw who he's drawing. Let's trust God with this. God said, I so love the whole world that I gave my one and only son. God may not be drawing the people that you're working with right at the moment. Doesn't mean that he won't draw them later. Or maybe you're clear invitation to come and die, to come and and sacrifice is what God is going to use to draw them to himself because they'll see the power. You know, all of us understand that you never sacrifice anything unless the, what, the thing you're sacrificing for 
is of greater value. That's why Jesus told those parables about the pearl of great price. A man who had many pearls, who saw one pearl that was more valuable than all of his wealth combined, he would trade that. Jesus said, as I've been saying here today, Jesus said, what good is it to gain all of the world's wealth, to have all of the acclaim and affirmation that this world offers only to lose your soul? And I can tell you this, and you know this is true. There are people who are selling their soul every day, bit by bit, in order to get that next 10000 that retirement, that boat, that motorcycle, that plane, that whatever it is that affirmation. There are young people selling themselves, selling their bodies, their hearts, their souls on the internet to get clicks so that they can have what this world offers, celebrity, fame, and maybe that will take care of that empty place that they feel in their hearts. But the gospel says that the only thing that can fill that void in us is a life and a relationship with the God of the universe. He created that void in us to create a hunger and longing for himself so that he might be the one that could satisfy our desires. As you look at your church's ministries, as you look at the attractional process that you're using, as you're looking even at your own invitation for friends and others to begin to follow Jesus, look and see, are you giving mixed messages, promising only to get them in the door, hoping that something different will take place. Friends, God's invited us to make disciples of the whole world, of all nations. He didn't say just of one person or a few people or, or one neighborhood. We are called to make disciples of all nations everywhere, and that God says he's in this work. He's doing the work with us, before us, beside us, and even after us. Let's not sell the gospel or God short. He is worth our, our worship, which means that we are surrendering to say he's more glorious than anything else. Let's not give mixed messages. We can't disciple people. We can't fully engage people by offering them the trinkets of this world in order to get them to see where Jesus is leading them. I appreciate so much you being a part of guerrilla disciple-making and discipleship. We are continuing uh, to seek out how we can be helpful resource for you. Today's message on mixed messages, I hope, has been helpful to you. And if there's anything we can do, just reach out to me, kbaker at oakdale.church. God bless you, and we will see you soon. 